If you want to be a premier cop, then you need to learn from the premier police training company in the land. Of course, I'm talking about Street Cop Training. They've got dozens of instructors out in the field right now, sharing their expertise in narcotics, interdiction, report writing, first aid, mental health, case law, and just quality police work. And those aren't even all the topics. There's literally something for everybody. I've attended several classes myself, and I can tell you that these folks cannot miss. Dennis Benino, the owner, is doing massive things for the world of law enforcement at a time when everyone else seems to be running away from it. Street Cop Training is literally the best in the business. Check out their private Instagram and join their law enforcement-only Facebook group to get free trainings, and then check out upcoming in-person and on-demand trainings at streetcop.com. You will not be disappointed. The views and opinions expressed on the 108 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 108 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. This week on the 108 podcast, Shit My FTO Set with Deputy Hookem and Nick Santos. We're talking about newbies, we're talking about rookies, and we're talking about the field training officers that guide them to the promised lands. They, they have a hard time talking with people. It's interesting. You never know what you're going to get, man. Your reputation precedes you, and that reputation starts from the moment you walk in the door to submit the application. All that knowledge comes into play. If they can't handle fake stress, then they're not going to be able to handle the road, man. I'll be fucked up if you can't be right here. I do the same thing. I told you that I never would. I told you I changed. Even when I knew I never could. I know that I can't find nobody else as good as you. I need you to stay. I need you to stay. I do the same thing. I told you that I never would. I told you I changed. Even when I knew I never could. I know that I can't find nobody else as good as you. I need you to stay. I need you to stay. When I'm away from you, I miss your touch. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to episode 205 of the 108 Podcast. My name is Officer Y108, whatever, I don't know, kind of having a little identity crisis as far as, what do you people call me? Everyone seems to just call me 108, but it's weird to like introduce myself as 108. Anyway, I'm the guy on the microphone bringing you the podcast that you guys want to listen to that isn't the Street Cop Podcast, or Poorly Made's Podcast. What is going on, guys? So glad you guys joined me today. Hopefully you guys enjoyed Drunk Cops last week. That was a bitch and a half to make. That was fun to make, bitch and a half to edit, but hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Uh, all the feedback was absolutely amazing. Definitely, that was very much more in line with what I had envisioned Drunk Cops being when I recorded the first one last year. Um, and then, you know, I did the games and stuff to kind of break the ice. And now, um, I don't know the, that one really didn't rely on the games and it, we, we really shied away from them. So hopefully we can, we can just, just be people drinking and talking and we'll see what happens in the near future. But anyway, glad you guys enjoyed it. Welcome back. Today's episode is going to be great. It's a little longer than usual. That's what I tell all the ladies out there. Hey, hey, just kidding. No, the episode is a little bit longer. Joining me today is Deputy Hookham and Nick Santos from LEO Combatives. And we are going to be talking about field training. We're going to be talking rookies 
and field training officers and all that stuff, uh, trying to get everyone their mind right into how they can be the best cop possible in this crazy day and age. And that's coming up momentarily. What we are going to be uh, leaning into first off is we're just going to talk about training real quick before we get the two guys in. Um, Basically, what I wanted to make everyone aware of is that like training doesn't stop when you get signed off with your field training officer. It doesn't. This is one profession where you are constantly learning. Things change. Laws change every year. Um, case laws and things like that. So obviously, you know, it's no secret how much of a supporter I am of Street Cop Training. They support this podcast. They support my content and everything. They are obviously, in my opinion, the best, but there are so many other training companies out there and training cadres out there that uh, facilitate job learning and, and professional development. You've got Blue to Gold. You've got Triple I Solutions. There's a bunch down here in Florida that I've taken different classes of um, that kind of shy away a little bit from the interdiction side that Triple I and um, Dennis kind of focus on. Like I said, Street Cop is definitely uh, getting more diversified as to what they cover. But there, I'm just saying that there are other options out there. Just to keep this all fair and diversified, in a couple weeks, we're going to be speaking to Anthony Bandiero from Blue to Gold. We're going to be talking to Art Hutchin from the National Institute of Crime Prevention. And I've got a couple other things down the way, just just different uh, perspectives and ideas. In the past, we've talked to Michael Scott from the Problem Oriented Policing Center. And of course, we're always talking to mental health people and uh, TAC mobility, things like that. And and. Uh, Erica's going to be coming on in a few weeks to talk about different types of training too. A bunch of different options. That's what I'm trying to say, that there are options out there and that's the important thing. Yes, field training is where you get your footing. Everyone always asks me like, hey, I'm a brand new cop, uh, still in field training. What can I focus on to really make a name for myself? I'm like, bro or sis, sidebar. When I start talking in male pronouns, it's not like mansplaining or anything like that. I'm from the North. That's just what we do. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, I'm always like, listen, focus on learning the job and doing the job well, and then start specializing yourself. And it'll just help yourself so much in your career. So really focus on being a good cop and then you can be a great cop and an excellent cop, all that stuff. So that's what I would say. And, uh, as we proceed, as we proceed to give you what you need, Uh, that's what we're going to be showing you. Anyway, today's episode is absolutely great. It's informative. It's funny. Great guys. Hook'em and Nick Santos and myself. We're going to put some knowledge in your brain. Anyway, stay tuned because here we go.
right, here comes the uh, the inappropriate field training talk. We've got two great guys joining me. Uh, we've got Nick from now Elio Combatives, and then uh, Mr. FTO Hookem over here. What up? So what's going on, guys? How are you? I'm let you go first. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm good. Nick, go ahead. I am. I am. I am blessed. I will say that I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Uh, just a long road to get here to this conversation. No kidding, man. Mm-hmm. With uh, with we were just talking with with Nick's uh, Corona, with me moving, and mm-hmm. I don't know Hookem being. I don't know what you were doing. You I were... was patiently waiting. I've been here for like a month. My computer's on. <laughs> Nice. That's nice. dedication, man. I like that. <laughs> what were you saying? <laughs> that I'm sh- I'm sitting in my own shit. <laughs> Funny. Oh, you're like that that astronaut lady. Yes. Like wore a diaper. Yeah. Oh, were, I've been- you were here for a month, but you still couldn't silence your phone. I appreciate that. Well, you know, <laughs> it, is, it is what it is. It is. But in the meantime, you did manage to find Yingling. So I mean, it's not all a loss. I did. I have uh, I have a friend who smuggles it for me. Nice. Yeah. I do too. Hmm. Yeah. Look at that. I you guys know. probably have the same Maybe they're friends. the same people. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like Fight Club. You don't talk about Fight Club. Nah. nah. About we, we're not going to talk about how you guys got into your both communist states. Uh, uh, that's that's for sure. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah. I, I got uh, Governor DeSantis, so things things are pretty good down here. Yeah. 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 True. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wish I was there with you. You, you got a uh, Grady down there too, right? We do. Sure. We do have Grady. Oh man, that's what's nice about an elected person running your law enforcement agency. You know, not someone that's put there by a city council or mayor to be a puppet or something like that. Man, that that man's, that man's elected. He gets to do what he believes in because, and his people keep reelecting him because hey, they believe in what he believes in. It works out right. perfectly. Say what yeah. you want. Yeah, he killed it with that last one in the uh, the newspaper comments. Uh, you should read a newspaper. <laughs> he likes that one. He's used that one a few times. I think whoever writes his speeches for, I don't think he does, but whoever like proofreads, like whatever, they're like, oh, try this one out. Because every time we're talking about shooting a lot of pe- or people a lot, like we got different metaphors we got to roll through every time. You know? mm-hmm. so the first, <laughs> you know, hey, why'd you shoot him 86 times? Oh, we ran out of bullets. Oh, that's a good yeah. one. Right? Let's do a different one this time. I literally looked up a list of his quotes and it's like all like almost the same thing just said differently. And it's awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. If you go on YouTube and you just look up, um, Grady Judd quotables, they have like a six minute video for every year that he's been sheriff. And they're, I mean, it's still good. That's beautiful. It is. I mean, that's how every law enforcement leader should be just, I mean, (sighs) but as long as there's like, using their screen time for good, you know, to, right, to, promote, to promote the message, not to like condemn their people. I mean, well, he's promoting what makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he, he's just, he's just fair. You know, if someone's, you know, an evil person doing bad things, you know, calls them out for it. You know, doesn't make excuses for them. Doesn't make excuses for his officer, or his deputies. You know, if they do something wrong, he just, right. Everyone gets treated the same. Well, it helps yeah. that he's in an area that allows him to, to be that way. Cause some, some supervision, works or is in areas where they have to toe that line because it's either going to make it worse mm-hmm. for their people, you know, if they do go all the way and say what they want to say. Uh, but he's obviously in an area that he can do that, which it works out for his yeah. people community. So good on yeah. him. And, and what you were saying about him calling his, uh, his deputies out, I mean, I've seen it where he's arrested his deputies for stealing, for lying, whatever. And mm-hmm. he, he says the exact same thing he'll say about, you know, a non-cop. 
as he does about mm-hmm. his cops. So that's absolutely. It's fair. He's fair. He reminds me of a uh, from End of Watch, the captain, when at the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie, when he says, "You know, you know, you do the right thing. I'll always have your back. But if you if you fuck me over, I'll personally throw you under the bus." <laughs> I'm just like, I like that. I like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's the um, it's the supervision that we need. You know, it's we. I've talked about it before. We need people that are holding their people accountable by being accountable themselves. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. 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 Definitely. But we're not talking about leadership today. We're talking about newbies. We're talking about rookies and we're talking about the field training officers that guide them to the promised land. So, <sighs> um, <laughs> so to get us started though, um, just to everyone kind of knows you guys from the previous episodes, but if they don't, could you just like give kind of an idea of your background and then we'll kind of spin into our conversation. So we'll you start go for with a superstar. No, please, I insist. You you sent me first. I want to see how to do it. I want to see how to do it. Okay, uh, watch and learn. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I have a. I'm going on almost ten years being a cop. Um, I worked patrol for about seven years. I've been a detective for almost three. I was a um, FTO and a corporal in patrol for almost three years, and I'm currently a. Uh, corporal in the detective unit, meaning I train new detectives when they come in. Uh, so total being a, an FTO or a corporal, um, four and a half, five years ish. Okay. Nice. Not nice. bad. Yeah. All right. Mr. Nick. Um, I'm uh, in my 11th year in law enforcement. Um, started at a small department. Uh, I was there for three years. My second year I was forced to FTO school. So I was made an FTO my second year. I was like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. Not really. Um, <clears throat> So I went to my new agency, the same uh, certification transferred over. And um, I've had my great rookies, had my, uh, you know, eh, you're not going to be good. You know, you're not going to be here long. I'm just letting you know. And um, I'm currently in our uh, in our gang unit. We call it the street crimes unit. They call the street and know it says the jump out boys. And it's a two-year assignment. It's my second time there. And I'll be done with that in December. So I'll go back to patrol and doing the FTO thing once again. Gotcha. So when you guys are uh, patrol FTOs, so we won't talk about the detective side of training just yet. Um, we might yeah, touch stupid. on it later. <laughs> um, but when, when you see like the new rookies, when they're getting hired and they have their big pinning ceremony and their coronation or whatever, what what is the conversation like between recruiting and the guys on the road? Like, Do they kind of tell you like, hey, this guy's – good this guy's going to be questionable what what is that process for for me i work at a fairly large agency and um you know people either work in the jails they work in the courthouse they do a lot of that rotation first and then they're going to come out to patrol uh it depends on the timing though because when i came out i went right to patrol because of staffing issues so more often than not when i would get a trainee i would know about them only from talking to people who worked where they worked either in a courthouse or a jail. And those years of those people's career, what kind of formed their reputation, uh, it formed what kind of worker they were, how they took criticism, how they handled and carried themselves. So most times when I got a trainee, I would, I would have that information already. Um, mm-hmm. People that I knew. There was some times that I'd get people that were, uh, you know, a lateral or a street hire um, that came straight to patrol uh, or, you know, they were maybe worked in the jails and then went through another academy and came over and then went to patrol. But 
you know, I think just, just your reputation precedes you. And that reputation starts from the moment you walk in the door to submit the application all the way into the day you retire. And if, if at any point in the beginning there was issues, your training officers are going to know that. Wow. You're lucky. You get all that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, On my end. uh, So our FTO coordinator, which is usually a Lieutenant assigns the recruits to certain FTOs. They just recently started doing like a personality test type thing. Um, I don't know if they real, if they've figured out that I'm the only one who hasn't um, taken that. I don't know how I got out of that, but anyways, um, you failed. What we, I know, right? Apparently, <laughs> I don't know personality. <laughs> so what I, uh, what happens in my agency is the only thing that we know is what we're told about from the academy. We mm-hmm. um, every academy class we assign an officer out to the academy that's training them. It trains multiple agencies. And um, they can kind of keep an eye on, you know, how they're doing or they're progressing. And then um, they report back to our FTO coordinator. Our FTO coordinator will make decisions like, hey, we're worried about this guy. He might not. He might have some officer safety issues, you know. So we're going to put him with you for step one because we have a whole five step process. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while you get told, hey, this guy's a train wreck. If anyone could, you know, could help him, it's you. I'm like, yeah, you're just saying that because, you know, no one else wants him and I'm going to mm-hmm. freak out. And he's like, I'll, I'll, I'll make up for it next time. I'll give you an easy one next time. So it's always up and down, up and down, up and down. But it's it's interesting. You never know what you're going to get, man. You never know. Right. You, you brought the academy. So what is mm-hmm. the academy like in your guys' areas? Is it in-house, like your, only, your agency has its own academy? Like, Hook'em, I know you have a big agency. So is it like that? Or is it like a multi-department, like a regional academy? Or like mine was where it was hosted by the state college. And whoever wanted to off the street, if you got sponsored by an agency, as in they'll pay you to go to the academy, you could do that. Or you could be like me and just Joe Blow off the street, pay your way through, and then hope a agency picks you up. So what what's the academy like where you guys are? So uh, mine's kind of a mix of all that. So uh, here we have a regional academy. That is co-hosted by multiple agencies, but it's hosted through a community college. That's where they get like the post credits and all the stuff. They get certified in the state, right? There are open enrollees and there are people who are hired from agencies and sent there. Um, So there's a mix of both. And our academy uh, in California, uh, I think it's up to 20. Yeah, Uh, I think it's up to 27 weeks now, uh, 26, 27 weeks. So when I went through, it was 26 weeks. And that was five days a week, seven to six to three or four. Was it a living academy or did you get to go home every night? Yeah, no, it's it's not a living academy. Uh, there were people that came from out of the area and, and around the college. There's a ton of like apartments and stuff. So they would rent them and live there. Okay. I think one of the only living academies in California that I'm familiar with is CHP's Academy. Okay. Okay. Which is up Chips. in Sacramento. Yeah. Yeah. The good, good chippies. Yep. Okay. And what about uh, what about you, Nick? Illinois, um, totally different. In this area, we have um, three or four academies that host multiple agencies. And um, what I went through was um, our state police academy, um, which which trains uh, troopers. And that's like a 26-week program. And also on another half of it, it trains uh, uh, what they call, you know, just regular recruits from uh, local and municipal uh, agencies. And 
that's only 12 weeks when I went through. Now it's, I think it's up to 14 or 15 possibly. And it's not for anything good, not like for more practical exercise. It's because some politician thought, hey, this would be good for them to learn. Let's put yeah. that in there. My yeah. name's on it now. Mm-hmm. So what I went through, um, and they're all different. So there's one in Champaign, I don't know where U of I is. It's called PTI, um, Police Training Institute. And that one's more like college. And it's a live-in. The one I went through with uh, the Illinois State Police um, was a live-in. And it's more like boot camp. Yeah. So, and which I hated because I was three months back from Afghanistan and I was a sergeant and stuff. And then I'm standing there, you know, in uh, in formation, holding a bag in my left hand and just having some guy yell at me, pretending to be a drill sergeant. I'm just like, get out of my face, please. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. <laughs> so, and now we have a new one um, in Macon County who has a, um, a very rich person by the last name of Buffett. Who lives there? Mm. Who happens to be the brother Jimmy. of a Jimmy? <laughs> and he he built a whole training facility, a whole academy, just to um, have an academy uh, there. Wow! Oh, wow! And uh, yeah, it's um, it's kind so, of. A so you mean team. people actually do give money to the police in Illinois? I thought they're just people, taking all the money away. I mean, only people that have it to give and like want to play with them. Mm, you know, mm. at times, you know, get a Ford Raptor, soup it up, get a K nine, and start driving around with them. On you that's know, true. yeah. You know, when you got money, you can do things. So, in so really, they're just training their private security. They're not necessarily. Mm, hey, hey, <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> so, uh, just to ca- my side of it, uh, like I said, it was with the community college. We did that, <clears throat> but what I have noticed with what you guys said, and what I know from like New Jersey with their state police, a lot of the state police has that paramilitary uh, live-in boot camp style mm-hmm. um, academy. And then you've got all the regionals and the locals where it's more not that. Um, so that's interesting. I don't know, you know, maybe they got to teach a state trooper how to be a dick ahead of time. <laughs> and that's why they do it. I don't know. But There's one reason I do like it. And because that? it creates that, that artificial stress. If they can't handle fake stress, you know, yeah. stress that's simulated there, then they're not going to be able to handle the road, man. Absolutely. No way. That's true. That's true. That's actually that's a great segue, actually. You've got these guys coming out, guys and girls, who have never – let's talk about the ones that have never been in the military or anything like that, never been a cop before. They're getting in your car. They are just bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. What – I mean, is the, the dealing with stress the biggest – issue you guys see coming into your car or is it other things that kind of are more alarming? No, I think the biggest issue and now this is coming. I was never in the military. Okay. Um, I, I went, I went to college right out of high school. I joined a, an explorer program locally. I did that <laughs> going to college. And then I also worked as a, a community service officer for the college police department. Then I got hired at 21. I was on patrol at 21. Uh, and I've been there for 10 years. So, mm-hmm. but I, I think the way I was raised and the experience mm. I put myself through doing sports, all that stuff, it all helped me have that discipline that is that is needed, right? So obviously, like Nick has a military side of things. I didn't have that. But what I can say is the biggest – and so what I mean by that is I don't think that's like the end of the road, right? I think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. function fine without the military thing. But mm-hmm. what I notice – especially with people who are now coming in at, you know, 22, 23. And here I sit as a 31 year old, old man. So I can say this, um, <laughs> they, they have a hard time talking with people. Yes. That's the biggest issue. Not dealing with stress, 
Um, because at the end of the day, you have a uniform, you have a badge, you have a belt, you have a gun, and you're the boss in town, right? So when you're out of the academy, you're now it's no stress. I'm the stress. I cause stress. You know, I'm the tough guy. The problem is, is when they have to talk to people and they have to switch gears. They have to go from mm-hmm. nice to calm to angry to uh, sympathetic to caring to pulling their gun. And those yeah. are the hard things for them to switch because they have to learn to treat somebody uh, authoritatively and then back off and change things or just in general, getting information, talking to people. Um, and I think it's a generational thing, not necessarily a, a per person thing. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's excellent. I, I, I agree with that. Um, I like what you said about the way you're raised, you know, probably had a lot to do with it. And then, Oh, that's, that's seriously um, something that I've seen. I love getting recruits and officers with all kinds of different backgrounds. You know, it could be someone that went to school to be a nurse. It could be, I used to be, used to, used to be a truck driver. All that knowledge comes into play when you're on the mm-hmm. job, because sure. when people don't know who to call, when they have a problem, they call the police, yep. even though it's not a, a police issue. You know, yep. you guys know this. So it's great when you have someone, oh, I know a guy who, you know, used to be an electrician. No, oh, he knows exactly what you should do. Right. right. Um, but the, st- the stress thing, uh, I try to limit that with them. My main focus when it comes to them, field training, because we have, we're assigned steps. We get them for this step. And um, out of the five steps, we only have them for a certain amount of weeks. And they have to have a certain amount of stops, a certain amount of, uh, report felony reports i don't know things a whole a whole checklist mm-hmm. and um my main thing is officer safety that, that that's my main focus on i'm like hey you can learn the rest of this stuff fine it's officer safety but the people skills i don't even know how you how you're supposed to teach that yeah i mean sometimes people don't want to talk to someone so I, I just come up with different things like there was a one kid i was training i said hey man like what, what was that you just sounded like a robot out there like, oh well you know i just didn't know through i'm like hey have you ever like talked to a girl before you know, ever be like, hey, what you doing, baby? You want to go out this, you know, Friday night, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Hey, use that same thing, man. Whatever bullshit you were fucking spitting out there. Hey, do it here, man. I'm telling you, a lot of this job is just bullshit in your way to yeah, make them yeah. feel like they're getting what they want. Yep. And there you go. Yep. Yeah. It's a lot of smooth talking. It's a lot of yes. convincing people to do things they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, like put on handcuffs. You know what I mean? Like the whole business is is manipulation almost in a you know, in like a Jedi mind trick kind of way, not in like a... No, you're right. Yep. What well, you said, hook them about people not being comfortable talking to people. That creates stress. Like if you, you know, you spend so much time with this phone in your face and that's how you're communicating with people. You don't have the face to face. So now, and, and Nick and I talked about this on our, on our conversation last year, talking about like, well, now I've got to, like you said, switch these gears and everything, but just having a normal conversation is stressful. So I'm already heightened. Yeah. Now we gotta be authoritative or authoritative about it. Right. Now it's gonna get all kind of cattywampus. It'd be pretty cool if you could if you could just like swipe left or swipe right or whatever the hell on calls like Mm-mm, nope nope right nope. That's what these kids need, man. That's a funny thing, <laughs> right. yeah, Nick. I might have to steal that from. You. <laughs> <laughs> hey, seriously, if you do it, man. Oh my god, I'll, I'll be happy. You. I'll tag you. Yes, but that's that's very accurate. I mean, that's you know, uh, and I'm probably the last person needs to talk about spending time on their phone, but uh, you know. That didn't happen for me in my younger years. Like I grew up right. as a kid. Like I remember when like we got the internet in the house. You know, I'm I'm that I'm that middle ground age group that I can remember going outside to play and you know doing <laughs> right. That that's a foreign it, concept. It's a little different now, and I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying it's different. And um, you know, the younger people, especially when it comes to you know, we're very fortunate in this country that most of us, especially those who get into law enforcement have been very lucky with how we've lived and, and been fortunate to, you know, have things 
provided for us by our families. Obviously, that's not always the case, but it's hard to take a, a, a person who has done that and at the age of 21 or 22, put them in a situation where they're telling a couple who's been married for 30 years how to handle their relationship yeah, uh, when, when they've never been married. And I was in that boat, mm-hmm. but I also, my time as an explorer helped. Uh, my time as a community service officer helped because I witnessed deputies and officers doing those things and learned like, okay, yeah. that worked for him. That you had the exposure at least. Right. Right. When I got hired uh, and that's like for people who are listening, who are wanting to be cops, but they're not there yet. And they're younger an explore program or a cadet program is 1000% something you should be looking at. Uh, if it's something that's in the area, when I got hired, I had over a thousand hours of ride alongs under my belt. Oh, wow. That's a lot. So, I mean, I had been to everything from murders to DVs, to rapes, to suicides, to, um, shooting scenes. I mean, I had seen it all by 21 years old and then I got hired and I knew exactly what I wanted to do, why I wanted to do it and why I was there. It was already figured out. Go to patrol and go, fuck, what am I doing? Holy shit. Like I got it. It was like, all right, give me the fucking badge. Let's go. So they didn't hate you as an explorer. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I still work with a lot of the guys that were, that were my advisors and you know, they still tell me that they did, but I think, I think they're kidding. I think they're kidding at this point, but uh, yeah. We we have, you know, usually when you get put with like, you know, Explorer or, or a ride along or whatever, it's like a punishment. And I was like, oh, God, no. <laughs> it's a little different here. <laughs> a little different. We have, we have a lot of really squared away kids. And, and, and I say kids, we can go up to 21 in that, in, in the program out here in California. So, um, I mean, wow. there's, there's kids that I've had in my car as Explorers. And I hope I was the same way that I liked having as a, like, I would rather have them as a partner than some of the people that were on my beat with me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. so. I have had that. I work with one now that he rode with me. It was it was a crazy, a crazy time. He traveled from like four hours away. Now he works for us, but during the ride along, he asked all these great questions and everything that we talked about happened that, that day. I'm like, this is kind of creepy. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you setting this up? Like Yeah, right. <laughs> um, for me, when I started, I I was the friendly guy. So they always put the ride alongs with me because like, hey, you're not gonna scare mm. them away. And you know, I liked getting into stuff, but not too much to the point where like, I'm going to scare the kid out of the car, but he's going to learn. Um, and I, and my friendly demeanor, my conversational demeanor just made it a, a good experience. And I remember there was a kid that rode with me. He was an intern and then he went to the Academy and he rode with me on one of their like Christmas breaks or whatever. And to this day, uh, he is no longer a cop where I was. He actually moved to Washington state to be a cop. I don't know why, but he did. And, um, but on that, on that day, we're driving lights and sirens to a, um, lady cutting her wrists open in front of her grandkids. And, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, and we, we were talking right before that cause he was in uh driving school, you know, police driving school. And he's like, yeah, we were talking about shuffle steering. I don't know if you guys have that out there, but is this is this messed up driving technique anyway and sure enough yes yes exactly um i'm clearing an intersection this motorcycle cuts off in front of me and i shuffle steered like a motherfucker and i avoided it he's like whoa we were just talking about it it works it honestly does it does um you know we ended up booting a door like great shit and to this day if you asked him hey who was the best ride along you've ever been with oddly enough it's me i i don't get it but he was like you know, I was kind of on the fence at that time. And then we had that ride along and that made me want to continue to be a cop and continue nice. with the Academy and everything. So Nick, I get what you're saying. Cause sometimes you get a guy or girl riding with you and you're like, no, like this is more of a hassle than anything else. Moving all your shit to the back and things like that. 
But in my defense, I only kicked one out of my car. Only one. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> but if we take as we as the senior officers take that as a time to kind of ex- let them experience things, like you said, Hookem, mm-hmm. if they are our eventual backup, they're just going to be that much more ahead of the game because we both, we all three of us know that the academy doesn't teach you shit compared no. to what is happening on the road. Well, it teaches you very stagnant things. It teaches you yes. very. Uh, choreographed um, ABC and things don't go ABC in the field. They go A T Z U X and you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, what the hell just happened? Um, mm-hmm. So, and, you know, they try their best in the Academy, but obviously you can only replicate real life so much for everybody that reaches out to me. And I'm sure you guys have the same way where they're like, yeah, man, um, I'm, I'm 19, 21, or I'm just about to graduate high school. Uh, I'm going to major in criminal justice because that's going to make me a better cop. Everything I always say is no, like being a cop is learned by doing. It's not learned mm-hmm. in a book because um, you get that very stagnant, very, again, just exactly what you said, Hook'em. So would you guys agree with that? That's the stupidest damn degree I got. I don't even know why I have that damn thing. Same. I got a bachelor's of law enforcement and justice <laughs> administration. And somehow it's a bachelor's of science. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all, all right. Here's my advice on that is, you know, I mean, when I, I went to San Diego State University, uh, I got a, a criminal justice bachelor's degree. And more often than not, they talked about what was wrong with the criminal justice system and how it should be fixed. And that included throwing cops under the bus. Right. Well, you're in California. So, you know. Well, any any major <laughs> university, that's kind of the, the status quo. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right, right. That's right. But I will say that having a degree of Anything is better than having a degree of nothing. Um, However, I don't think a criminal justice degree will make you a better cop. It's not going to do anything for you to be a cop other than maybe knowing the big buzzwords like broken windows theory. And mm-hmm. if you guys, if you guys have, oh God, come on, come on, I don't want to be right. <laughs> If you guys have, if you guys have like a state, like a, a state test they have to take at the academy, like we do, that's yeah. the only thing I can say that made. Like I was like, oh, I'm glad I went to school for this because that I just breezed through it. I'm like, oh, I know all this stuff. Well, so and the, I, advice, I don't know. the advice I got was, you know, what happens if you put all your eggs in the basket and you get hurt, mm-hmm. or you've realized two years in you don't like this career. Now you have a criminal justice degree, so you're kind of pigeonholed into the criminal justice element, which could be fine if you're able to get something in that field. But um, more often than not, the advice I got was, hey, you should get a degree in business. You should get a degree in whatever firefighting something yeah right uh when i got told that advice i was already two years into my degree and i was like yeah i'm not changing it but yeah because you got to have a backup plan and honestly a degree is a degree and why do cops get degrees it's not so we can be smarter it's so that we have a degree we can say we have a degree and we get more pay i just want to party <laughs> you, I mean, that's... You know, Diego State. I felt the same way, but I worked for the police department instead. So I, I guess yeah, I, uh, yeah. I so know. you were you were breaking up the parties instead of going to them. Well, no, you know, I I I just steered clear, but I didn't get to go to them. And now I'm cool. I wasn't then. <laughs> now, now you're the cool guy. Yeah. Oh, um, cool now, guys. Yeah. <laughs> right? right. I swear. I swear. <laughs> so I got a couple questions from some of my followers on the Instagram. Uh, most of them are kind of silly, but we'll we'll take them for what they are. Um, Weird. <laughs> yeah. So this one says, how do I break up with the lieutenant's daughter? So my. <laughs> wow. I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know if we should be giving that person the advice, but 
You done messed up by dating her. <laughs> what what is your guys' take on interdepartment romances? And I think this is going to be an interesting take on Hook'em because I, I think you're kind of the the outlier here. But what, yeah. what do you guys? Uh, but okay, let's take it this way: as a brand new cop, like let's say you went to the academy, you met your betrothed there, and then you guys are like, oh, let's go and get hired by the same agency, and we're going to live happily ever after. Like, is that wise advice? <sighs> Um, Go ahead, Nick. Uh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say, <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. That's that's especially if you're like 21, 22 year old people that are like making these big decisions. Like, oh god, you have no idea, like, no idea how this is going to go. And we've all seen in our department stuff the divorces, the the triangles, the uh, just the crazy the hexagons, stuff and oh yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh man, and like it's just. I, I, I don't think you should shit where you eat. And I, th- th- I mean, this is me personally. Right. Um, they, you know, everyone should make their own decision on these things, mm-hmm. of course. But it's just like, man, I want a different home life than a work life. I don't want them both to be the same damn thing. Like, damn, I'll see you all the time. What the hell? <laughs> right. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm also the guy who, you know, was the, <laughs> is the cliche cop who, you know, married an ER nurse, you know, and. Uh huh. Yeah, it's either yeah, a super cop, a dispatcher, or a nurse. Those are the only three. <laughs> right, right. And we got all three right here. I've got a dispatcher. Uh-huh. You've got a cop, and Nick's uh-huh. got a nurse. So, yeah, my perspective on it is obviously a little different. Right. It it worked out for me. Um, but I think it's how that comes about. Right. If you if if you are the type of person who knows that you're going to get with dispatcher A and dispatcher B and officer C and officer D. Understand that that web that you weave is probably going to come back and get you at some point. Yeah. Right. When I met my wife, I had never in my life thought I would ever date another cop. And when we met, we realized that we had a connection. Mm-hmm. It just so happened that we were both cops. Okay. Yeah. We're fortunate that we don't work together in the sense of the same station or the same you know area. And in fact, we can't. I mean, we can, but. It, we have set the rule. No, that's never going to happen. And I would imagine that people at the department probably wouldn't want that to happen either. Um, but I think it really depends on who you are and who you're dating is, right? Yes. So yeah. uh, me and my wife, we have that trust. We have that ability to come home and talk about work, and it doesn't affect each other. Um, we bounce ideas off each other. We learn from each other's mistakes and successes and teach each other those things and make each other better. That's something that's worked for us. I, I don't think that that's common. Um, and every day is a new day, obviously, right, in these relationships. And for so long, it could be fine, and then it's not. But I think it depends on how you, how you handle the relationship personally, either how mature you are about it, how they're mature about it, how your partners know about it, how you discuss things at work and how you act at work. You have to always treat them with respect. They are your significant other. But when it comes to the question of breaking up with a lieutenant's daughter, A, wouldn't have ever gotten involved with a lieutenant's daughter in the first place. Bingo. Um, shit happens, and I think the lieutenant's going to understand that. I mean, you're going <laughs> to tell me the lieutenant's never broken up with anybody? So. I want to know why. Handle it like <laughs> an adult. Handle it like an adult with respect and maturity. You're going to be fine. <laughs> That's my advice. I think you're Damn right. Um, you know, when you start being immature about any relationships, that's where they kind of get muddy and bad. So I agree. Mm-hmm. And for both of you guys, that was great advice. I uh, I also have the whole don't shit where you eat philosophy. 
Um, but I can also see the hook'em side where if you do it properly, it could be fine as well. So there has to be kids. Yeah, kids need to listen to what Hook'em said though. This is not common. Yeah, most <laughs> of you guys are stupid and will do it wrong. So just don't right. try. Right, that's true. It comes with boundaries. It does. Like we we yeah. have to understand that we each have our own careers. And that we're not in charge of each other's career. And no matter what each of us wants to do in our careers, we have to be supportive of that as if we weren't cops. And, mm. you know, and sometimes I find myself uh, not hearing out maybe some things that she wants to talk about or whatever, because I just think like, oh, I got to get everything out about my day. And she listens. And then I'm like, cool. All right. What's for dinner? And she's like, I'm like, oh, yeah, my bad. You're a cop, too. Go ahead. What happened? Like, mm. obviously uh-huh. that comes with learning the relationship. Mm. And now we've been married almost two years. We've been together for five or so a little over that and you know it's fine for me but it's not fine for everyone and i've seen it not be fine for everyone trust me i can't wait till she's your boss yeah we do actually <laughs> have a policy that is a policy that can't happen it's, oh, I like you that. know what that means you know what that means that means that it, it happened and it didn't work out well <laughs> very true I, yeah. I, I too have a couple policies named after me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't think I don't think you can call yourself a true cop without that. Um, this next question, this is kind of a more general question. What is the biggest mistake boots tend to make during FTO? Opening their mouth. I'm that, kidding. That, is, that, that, is, that came out very dickish. That's not what I meant. No, no. Hey, sometimes that's what it is. They open their mouth before they think. Yes, understand. Kid sort of thing. I think the biggest mistake is thinking that you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's not a negative. That's you don't know what you're doing. You're new. Mm-hmm. Embrace it, accept it, and sponge everything. Learn it all, and keep that your entire career. That's true. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Keep that. You mm-hmm. have to keep that curiosity. And even Otherwise, if you know things, don't treat people like you do. Right. Right. Absolutely. You can always. You know, they always mm-hmm. say if you're the smartest person in a room, you're in the wrong room. Um, yeah, you can always continue to learn in this job, you can be the chief and still learn things. And, and I've witnessed that at my agency, um, Lucky. both agencies. Yeah. Um, but yes, cool. definitely take things in and, you know, obviously expel knowledge when you have it for sure. And when we're talking about having experiences with different um, avenues and stuff for sure, but don't definitely don't be a dick about it. Don't sound like you're the, you know, the, the peacock play the game, um, play the rookie yeah. game. Even if you, even if you're a lateral and you've worked somewhere else, like, you know, if you go over there, Hey, play the game. Just like if I go to a new unit or another station or something, you play the game, you meet people, you establish yourself, you learn who you are, who they are. And then be you, I, I I almost screwed that up because you know, after years on, I was coming over and I was seeing guys make mistakes. I'm like, no, that's not how you do that's not how you do that. But my agency's uh, much bigger than what my old one was. So I got sent to a lot of training all the time that I didn't even ask for. I was just like, Hey, you're going to this, you're going to this. And I go, like, oh, crap. Hell like in my, th- my third year, I'm sent to a, a, a five day detective school. I'm like, all right, cool. That's awesome. Whatever. But I so a close friend of mine was like, Hey, you're the new guy. Be the new guy. You're the FNG. I'm like, you're right. Yep. I, yep. Otherwise I'm burn a lot of bridges. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's something that um, I recently just started a new agency. And that's something that took me, about two weeks to realize, you know, I was like, why, why are the trainers being such a dick? Like I, I have more experience, but they're treating me like I'm brand new. And it's like the, the one trainer in the cadre was, um, he's got 10 years previous 
before he came to this one. And he's like, hey, man, you're doing fine. Just play the game. Just just go with it. Just roll with it. And I was like, all right, all right, yeah, I, I get it. Once he explained it, like, all right. I, I, I felt like they were picking on me. You know, you need to that be reminder honest. sometimes. Yeah. It's but like, the treatment was an equal. Like they would yeah, anyone else. 100%. 100%. And that's, it took me a minute to realize that. Because, you know, I went from my old agency where I was respected and, you know, people understood that, you know, I had good opinions and blah, 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 blah. But when you start brand new, you're starting brand new and you need to understand that. Yeah. Yeah. When we're talking about mistakes that rookies make, how important is it to make a decision? Very. (laughs) I don't even care if you make the wrong one. Just make a reasonable one. It's funny you mentioned that because when you told me when we were preparing for the show uh, and you told me, you know, hey, come up with some points or some some things you suggest for 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 trainees to do. Um, let me let me refer to my list here. Mm. Number one, make a decision. <laughs> That's one yeah. of my points. I did three. I did three points and one of them was make a decision. So what what go into that? Why? What is making it? I'm brand new. I don't know anything. I'm on a call. I don't know what to do. You st- you just look at me and go make a decision. Explain that. Well, I, I think that's a. It, it, there's several reasons for that. Okay, one is if you don't make a decision, the suspect is making a decision. And Ooh. quicker that you make a decision, no matter what that decision is, the more time you remove variables or time for them to have the time to change what's going to happen. Right. Yes. That's one. Two. If you just make a decision and handle everything and then slow it down, you're going to have time to figure out things. But if you make the decision to put the guy in cuffs or keep him in the car or pull him out of the car or, or stay outside or whatever, you're not stuck in that hesitancy mode, right? Mm-hmm. And the hesitancy thing is bad because if you're trying to decide what you're going to do, not only are you delaying uh, – the conclusion of the call, apprehension of the suspect, getting your partner's places or, or, or you know, setting a perimeter, whatever. If it relies on you, everyone's looking for you to make a decision. And the longer you don't, the longer this cluster becomes more fucked. Yep, absolutely. Yep. It's like, yep. um, I don't know, just when you said that, I just pictured like a big like swirling ball, right? And as you're waiting and waiting, and waiting. It's just going to get bigger and bigger yep. and bigger. You make Meanwhile, decision. if you get a, yep. If you get a handle on it right away, it, yep. it stays small. Mm-hmm. That's yep. great. Yep. Yeah. I like what, uh, I like what you said about the, uh, giving the suspect more time to think, because if they have more time to think, they have more time to make a bad decision. Yep. They have more time to think I'm either going to run. I'm going to fight this guy. I'm sizing him up. I'm, I can knock this dude out one punch and get away. I'll be fine. Blah, blah, blah. Yep. You know, yep. make it, making a decision is so important. It's life or death out there and oftentimes you know rookies come in and they have this like this view from the movies or something you know this like this belt that you're putting on you know it's your utility belt and somehow it's going to save your life like hey man you you have to be reasonable whatever decision you make just be reasonable with it i don't care if it's wrong we'll correct that right right 100 percent. and i don't think like people think make a decision like i mean um okay you need to make an arrest you need no that's not what i mean i mean make a decision have him sit down Bring someone outside, freeze this, put a car there, put somebody there to block that intersection. Every call is going to have multiple decisions from where you park to how you walk back to your car at the end of the call, right? And each one of those decisions, if there's hesitancy in those decisions, 
that's when you're going to have issues because, like you said, it's going to start snowballing. And then you're going to start getting vapor locked. And then the next thing is, now I got to go talk to the suspect. And then I'm like, oh, if I'm already frazzled about where I parked because I parked in the wrong spot. Mm-hmm. I hesitated. And now, fucking, now, oh, he's running. And like, it's, it's a snowball effect. And as an FTO, you should keep your mouth shut if it's something that's not a, um, an officer safety issue, danger. And if they do something that you're like, hmm, I don't know why they did that, save it for after the call. Save it. Don't don't yeah. get in their head from the get go. That's yeah. I see I see yeah. some do that. I'm like, what are you doing, man? You just ruined this whole damn thing. Let him do the thing. If he's not going to get anyone killed or anyone hurt, let him finish this. Yep. You know, yes. but you have to do that. Then you, they might have a good reason why they did something. You'll be like, oh, you know, I didn't realize it. No, that's good. Well, they're they're good lessons. Like for example, we mm-hmm. call when we get people's personal information for reports, we call it horsepower. I don't know what you guys call it. So we say, hey, get that person's horsepower. Get that person's horsepower. Whatever. Right. That's the term we use. That's weird. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, think of it. Horsepower gets the, the law enforcement engine going. Like you get horsepower, okay, okay. you can run people, you can finish reports, you can do all that stuff. I think that's where it comes I saw, from. I, I saw your hand doing something else. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, sometimes people will forget to get that information. And then what we'll do is we'll kind of be like, okay. And then we'll get back to the station and go, hey, did you get that guy's date of birth? Uh, no. Did you get his driver's license number? No. What about uh, his phone number? No. Hmm. How are we going to contact that person? Um, All the time. Do you have to drive back out to their house 20 minutes away? I think mm-hmm. so, Corporal. Oh, At no, 3 o'clock in the morning. And are they ever going to make that mistake again? No, because when they get information, oh. they're going to go off. Oh, I don't want to forget that. I don't want to drive back. Just like, just like with geography. They drive the wrong way. But, mm, all right. We'll 100%. We've passed the house four times now. Fucking. <laughs> can we fucking get back? Yeah. Yeah, my last rookie, he still hates me for that. He's like, "Why'd you let me drive so far away?" Like, you the one who's driving, man. I just told you where to go. You literally have a map in your car. (laughs) I can't stand the new people when they say, "Oh, you're hazing me." Nah, 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 nah. This is tough love. This is just a good training experience. Yep. Accept it. Yep. No different than what parents tell you what to do. So get the fuck out of my car. Yeah, (laughs) you're hazing me. Oh, I had. I, I mean, we've all done it. Where you're driving and. You know, I'm shot. Where am I? And then when you get the wrong street, you got to go run to the street sign. Yeah, I do that all the time. I love yeah, that. yeah, yeah. We that, had we had a trainee that said that that was hazing, so the FTO couldn't do that anymore. We yeah, we don't. I've heard stories of that, uh, especially when I was an explorer before I became a, a sworn officer, because things kind of start changing. Um, but I heard stories of even before then where the old Crown Vicks they had like the plastic back seats, right? But they were like inserts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They would make the trainee pull the insert out and carry the seat down the street. Oh, wow. To the street All sign. Right. That's, that's a, little, yeah. a little much. Or they'd make them climb the street sign. Like, you better get on top of the street sign. You better. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, see, that's oh just it. Because there's no training point to that. Right. No. My advice for people, if, if that's something that you're nervous about or you're having a hard time with finding routes to calls, is pre-route your call. When you get a call, if you can, look at the route, commit it to memory, look at the major points. And then go. Don't be trying to drive and, and navigate because if yes. you already got enough going on, right? So try to oh, figure that out. And if you can't find it, fix it. On that note, that reminds me of um, a uh, trainee that, uh, that I recruited that I had. And he, an officer asked for backup. A female officer asked for backup. Um, she was in um, a uh, high crime area, a lot of gang activity going on. And my recruit's <laughs> driving there and he's taking some weird route that makes no sense not the most direct at all so i say to him like why didn't you take so and so to so and so and he says he looks at me immediately and says well as long as i get through that's all that matters right 
and I'm, uh, I'm telling you, the, the like fire inside of me about just oh, I like I, I, had, to, I had to just stop. I'm like just oh, I'm like, let's get there, let's get there, let's get there, let's get there. Yeah, I would have lost my ever loving mind. Oh man, I started shaking. And it takes a lot for me to have that with trainees. Mm-hmm. I I would have I would have gone ballistic. Oh mm-hmm. man, like so when she's getting the hell beat out of her. And you're like, well, as long as I get there, it's okay. No, man. So he got a lot of um, where we at street sign walking because, oh, man. Yeah. Oh. Or I yeah. just give random addresses. Hey, most direct rap go. Had to. But that's good training. That is good training. Learning, you know, in the car, most direct route, you know, how do we get there, things like that. And I'm, I am a fan of where are we? You don't know. Go find out. Like that's mm-hmm. because that's what you're going to do. If you're on a call, if you are dispatched to something, you're on a perimeter or you're setting up a perimeter, you don't know where you are, you're going to run to the closest street sign and find out. So yeah. it's practical, you know, and I don't think it's, it's excessive. No, um, I've been on a traffic stop. Where am I? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the worst feeling you have is when something's breaking bad and you don't know where you are. Because mm-hmm. how, is, how is help going to come to you? Like, and, and that's that information before you need it. Yes. Don't yes. light up uh, a car, let it yield, and then get out and put out your stop. Put it mm-hmm. out, then turn your lights on. That way, if they run, you already have the plate, you already have the location, you already have where you're at, and then Amen. you fucking shit your pants all you want, but at least people know who you're trying to stop and where it's going. Right. Exactly, yep. I will give, so for both agencies I've worked at, the way Dispatch likes it is location tag description, and I will give those three pieces of information before the lights come on. So that way, no matter what, if things go sideways, they have that. I'm not going to just give one piece of that information. You're going to know where we started from, what the car looks like, and the tag. So that way you can start hitting tag readers and things like that. That's and with that's a little my bit of time on, a little bit of time on, you can actually predict like what street they're going to stop at yes. you know, before you light them up. So um, what other – so you said you had three on the list. What, what are some other things you have on your list? Let's see here. Um, make a decision was number one. Okay. Uh, number two, don't be afraid to ask questions. Yes. I agree. Cause again, that's how we learn. Um, but you also had these rookies and I was, I started as this rookie that what ifs everything to death where, you know, they want to know every possible outcome when it's just not possible. It's not practical to know what every possible outcome, if you have an idea um, like a, what if scenario, unfortunately, if it's a likely thing, you know, like, Oh, well, what if this guy comes out with a gun? Okay. That's, pra- that's practical. But if you're just going to what if everything, you're not. And what I really, what I really mean when I say don't be afraid to ask questions is, and and being a detective now, I I can speak to this. Okay, yep, I see where you're saying. Go ahead. I get everything after the fact, right? What I mean is, I would rather you ask me if you don't know than guess at something and screw it up. And I know that's a little contradictory to the make a decision thing, but when things are slowed down, when everybody's safe, and you legitimately you're on training, you're new. If you go, hey, I've never done this before. Um, do I handle it like this or is there a different way you would like me to handle it? Get that out of the way because when you go back to the station or you've done something or you write the report and all of a sudden it's all screwed up or it gets to the detectives and you've done something that's completely dumb, even if you're off training and you're just new, ask your partners, hey, I was going to do this. Is this something you guys would have done? I've never done it this way. You know, I've never done this before, whatever. 
people are going to understand that. And we would rather you clear the air about it and be like, you know, hey, Sarge, I'm going to do it like this. Is that okay with you? Then you write the report and then he's got to kick it back and then you got to fix it and you got to whatever. So don't be afraid to ask questions and say, hey, I've never done that before. Um, but all calls can handle themselves the same way. And what I mean by that is you get there, you make it safe, and you slow it down and handle the call, no matter what it is, if it's a report or if it's a murder. It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? But when you've slowed it down, that's your your chance to go back into that trainee mode and not have to make immediate decisions and go, hmm, I could do A, I could do B, what's better, why this, why that. Don't be afraid to ask those questions. Don't try to be bigger than your britches and screw something up that causes more work in the long run. My favorite question is, and I tell them this you know, the first week, I'm like, hey, if it's a call that we hadn't done before together and I might not remember, say, hey, um, I've never taken this type of call before. And like you said, get there, make sure it's seen secure, all that. I'm like, all right, we're good? We're good? Okay. Now observe. Now this is visual learning for you to see, hey, how do I handle this sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, now take this sort of call and go to our report system, start looking up and see how people wrote the reports on this. You know, see how they described it. You know, yeah. there's so many. You have to utilize your resources. That's a good idea. And to kind of piggyback off the ask questions thing, when you're talking about this is totally separate, when you are on scene and you're interviewing people, be comfortable asking questions. because, And that goes back to being able to communicate with people. But on a simple just conversational basis, we were talking about people being uncomfortable. Now you have to start asking probing questions. It's going to get more uncomfortable. But yep. that's that's when you know you're onto something. When people start getting mm-hmm. a little uncomfortable about what you're asking them, that's good. You're breaking the service to where the real information lies. Well, and right. that, yeah. Even if it's a victim, you never know what you're gonna what you're gonna unlock mm-hmm. or what piece yeah. of information that they're gonna remember that you might have now gathered that you wouldn't have had. Um, and yeah. obviously, as a detective, I see that a lot. Now, when I do interviews, they're usually more in depth interviews. Um, but you can do that in patrol. It's not you don't need to. What happened? Okay, thanks. Like, ask questions. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And, uh, you know, if they said, oh, he was, okay, he was in a car. Got it. Thanks. He was in a car. What color car, genius? He looking like a man. Oh, by the way, (laughs) in the windshield. Oh, that's probably good for us to know. Like, you know, yeah. Oh, seriously. No, you're absolutely right. Our whole job is being nosy. And I, you know, once I got comfortable doing the job, I was like, nah, fuck it. I'm going to ask every fucking question I could think of. Even if it's shit that I don't end up needing, at least I have it because I don't want to be that guy that has to call them at 3 a.m. Be like, hey, so what's your your DL number? I forgot that. Mm -hmm. You know, and again, that's that's a mistake you make once. Yep. And it could be um, not something like that, like an identifier or anything. It could be just they give you their story. Look at their story. What questions do you have about this? Because you're going to have to explain this later. Like, oh, why did they do that? Oh, I didn't, I didn't think to ask her. Well, that probably would have been a good idea, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but if it's an important call, that's our job as trainers to actually, you know, pick up on, to fill sure. in those blanks. Sure. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And, you know, I was thinking this, this just triggered me. Um talking about making a decision and even if it's the wrong decision and letting the, was that? You said you're triggered. I just want to make sure. Do you need a hug or you? No, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, I'll take one, but um, (laughs) no, but the, what got me was I had a trainee or I'm sorry. I had a trainer when we were doing a traffic crash and he just let me do the whole thing by myself. I was in uh, ghost phase, shadow phase, whatever you want to call it. And I was writing out the ticket and he goes, you're writing this person a ticket. And I had already started penning it, 
so it's it's good, right? He's like, you're writing this person a ticket. I said, yes. And he kind of starts breaking it down. And he goes, you realize this person didn't break the law, right? And he starts saying why I was wrong. And I was like, ah, fuck. He's like, all right, unfuck it. Go. And he's like, you know, because now I had to figure it out. Because otherwise I was going to write a bad ticket. So all good things. All very good. What's the last thing you got on your list? The last thing is. People who are going through training see a lot of different trainers, right? They see a lot of different FTOs um, throughout their phases or steps or whatever it is the agency calls them. My advice is use everything you learn to become you. Mm-hmm. Meaning don't you don't have to be me. You don't have to be Nick. And if you're in Nick's car and then my car, you don't have to be either of us. Maybe when you're with us, you need to do things that you know we like it a certain way or we like a report a certain way. But there's good things about Nick's training program. And there's bad things about Nick's training program. There's good things about mine and there's bad things about mine for them. Maybe not for me because it works out fine for me, right? But what I mean by it is, is when you're done with training and you're off training, take bits and pieces of every person that you've worked with or you've been trained by or supervisors you've had and become you. Figure out what makes you the best cop, how you talk to people, how you're authoritative with people, authoritative with people, how you... um, look for PC or how you handle stops or what you're into. You don't have to be anyone. You have to be you. And if you take bits and pieces and you create this officer that is now officer, you, you're going to go far in your career because you, you've, you figured it out. You're now you, you're your own person. Yes. Yep. And you know, learning to appease your supervisor, uh, or I'm sorry, your FTO is just like learning to appease your supervisor. Like, you know, sergeants are going to like things a certain way. Lieutenants are and so on. So as long as you start figuring that out, yep. um, but yes, you start becoming a more complete officer, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I absolutely agree. What do you think about it, Nick? I love that you said that. Okay, um, to uh, go to my whole uh, combatives type thing, um, to quote Bruce Lee, what he said about different fighting styles, take what is useful, discard what is not. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the training program. Every FTO is going to teach you something different. They have their expertise in certain fields. But, oh, hey, that guy's really good at DUIs. I'm going to study this guy on this. But yeah, right. you have to. You have to be, become your. You have to be a person. Become your own cop, and that cop's going to be should be a culmination of all the training you've got. Yes. Because mm-hmm. even if it was like a bad trainer, just like we, we all get forced to certain classes, even if it's a bad class, you still learn something. Yep. Even if it's just a self-realization, they're like, oh, you know what? I, did? I never thought about this before. Right. Or you can learn you what not to, to do. Yes, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. That's what I was thinking. You can have tr- people in the academy who are like, I, you know, going through the academy, you think everybody's, oh my God, these people are, are gods. They're the pinnacle of police work. And then you, you, become, <laughs> yeah. you become an FTO and like you're in like eight years in and you're like, God, that guy was a freaking idiot. Like... <laughs> Those people are there, and and you will notice that as you, a time comes on, and that also includes guys. Where I I remember I had an FTO that like he didn't think I had been in enough fights, or he was concerned that I could handle a fight. So we like got out and contacted a guy on a bike one night, and he's like, uh, he's like, what are you doing? Sit the fuck down. And the guy's like, what? And he's like, shut your mouth, sit down. And the guy's like, what the hell, dude? And I'm like, yo, what the? Do, do you know this guy? Like, what's going on? And then afterwards, after the guy, I was like, hey, dude, just relax, man. Like, what's going on? Where are you coming from? I'm talking to him, whatever. Everything goes fine. He's like, nah, I was trying to get you in a fight, man. I wanted to see how you handle business. I'm like, uh, no, let's not do that because that's my ass right. on the line. Um, yeah. you know, and obviously yeah, there's, old, it, right, there's old school personalities when it comes to training and things have changed over the years. That was, you know, a decade ago. Um, mm-hmm. 
but with that being said is I also learned how I, by, by culminating everything and bringing it together, I learned how I was most effective as a cop with getting people to listen to me, with giving directions and orders, with how to handle things easily or simply. And it still learns to this day. I've been a cop for 10 years and I, I still am like, oh, wow. I, wow. I didn't know I could do it that way. That's much quicker than the way I did it for a decade. Um, yeah. And you have to be able to do that. He tried to get you in a fight with some random guy on a bike. Yeah, this guy was like, hell, <laughs> that? You know, like, Look, I mean, that's all I do is just, you know, is fighting and self-defense stuff. Like, <laughs> I would never do something like that. <laughs> that's just insane to me. No. Like, yeah, yeah, let's just go ahead and bully the guy on the bike so he starts fighting. you got to be kidding me. That was oh, man. this guy's MO, and he was an old – I mean, he was like a 30-year, you know – fucking barely ever got out of the patrol car like good dude had a lot of knowledge but just it Checked was time out 100%. yeah yeah time to go time yeah. to go yes. time to go it brings a question i have a question with your guys's academies and your uh, respective states of sunshine and stuff um do you guys have uh do like a boxing or anything like that in your academies where you have to like fight like another recruit or anything no uh, we, we do at the, at the end of the, the defensive tactics, um, classes, you know, you have like one a week for so many weeks or whatever they have what they called fight for your life. And what they would do is they had you, they would gas you. So they basically have you down doing push ups, mm-hmm. sit ups, running, going up the stairs, throwing the medicine ball, you doing all kinds of stuff. And you go in there and you're like huffing and puffing and they put you on your back and let somebody mount you and then go, go. And this person's going trying to fight your gun, you know, take your gun from you or take your belt or take your radio and fighting with you. And you're trying to defend them and get them off of you and call for cover and protect your gun and all that stuff. So um, it, it was and, – and at the same time, they have like a little mobile cart that has like a siren on it. Like mm-hmm. a, now they have them mounted in the roof or in the ceiling of the training area, but you know, we weren't that cool back then. So they, they have a little speaker and they bring it in and they, they turn on and so you got the lights going and the sirens going and you can't hear shit and you're trying to fight this guy and they're punching you in the face and you're like trying to block the punches and block the gun. And I mean, it was legit. It was, it was, it that was, is, cool. that is That's pretty cool. legit. Yeah. I like yeah. that. The reason I asked is I was, I was concerned of now my, uh, when I went to the Academy at ISP, we, we had to do that. We had to do uh boxing with somebody and, uh, and then a grappling, um, uh, submission grappling with, uh, Someone as well, and them seeing me training, knowing my background, I had to fight two people each time, and and went the way he thought. Um, but um, <laughs> it's just like this is one of the most recent like classes. They're asked like, "Who here has been in a fight?" And I want to say only ten percent of the class rose their hand. Yeah, I don't think I'd ever actually been in like a legit fight. I had I had thrown like two punches in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that was a kid kicking my chair in high school out from underneath me. Mm-hmm. I turned around and punched him and I got a boxer's fracture on my right knuckle. You punched him right pinky knuckle. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and the second time was uh, they were trying to throw me in a pool at a uh, track and field like season party and they I told him let me go. I'm going to hit somebody and one kid didn't let me go and I sat up and I decked him in the face. Nice. That was like it. I've never been in like a fight. Like I was always like I always got along with everybody. So it was but- eye opening for me. For me, that that's 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 fine because you showed that you have a capacity for violence. True, true. Which in this job, I believe we need. Yeah, it's it, because hey, we we're the sheep dogs, right? We gotta you know we gotta be like the wolf or whatever bite. But it just it really concerned me because I can't fathom being someone that goes into this job 
not having a capacity for violence, not thinking that, hey, I might have to like fight someone one day for my life or yep. someone else's life. It, it, yep. it baffles me. I'm just like, why did you pick this again? Like, mm-hmm. I want to know the, the thought process. Like, yeah. it, it's a little concerning. Yeah. Mm. I don't think yeah. the first time you punch in the face should be on the job. No, no, because, you know, it's, it's you like you said. Exactly. Everyone's got a plan until you get punched mm-hmm. in the mouth. And if you've never. Yeah, Mike Tyson a- said that. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're if you're supposed to get your entire job while this is all going on, mm-hmm. you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, Absolutely. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you re- you really got to, you know, get in the gym sometime and they'll punch you in the face just so you can see. You know, it ain't that bad. You'll be okay. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Holy you shit. Do a, you do a good I'm Tyson. interviewing Mike Tyson. Uh, this is fucking I love, I love Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, and, and I think that that's, you know, again, from somebody who was in that boat when I started, it, it, it is important that training programs focus on that. And if your training program doesn't focus on that or have that aspect to it, get involved with it with a gym. Do something mm-hmm. uh, that you're getting that experience, even if it's not in a, a you know, a life or death high situation, but learning your abilities and mm-hmm. – um, your, your, your willingness mm-hmm. or your not willingness to, to engage in those kind of things with other people. Yeah. 99% of our use of force is hands on. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, and we've talked about this in the past where the more comfortable you get with your body and your capabilities mm-hmm. and the more confidence you end up getting with that, yep. the better you're going to be without using force, you know, well, because, absolutely. Yeah. and it speaks to your strengths. Like earlier before we started recording, Nick was telling me he's six foot two. And I told him that I'm five, five on a good day. Right. So Nick's fighting abilities are way different than mine. And mm-hmm. I know now after 10 years of figuring it out, how I can get people who are Nick's size onto the ground. And, and mm-hmm. I've done it and I know what works for me, but you're not going right. to figure that out unless you, you, you do it in the field and, and hopefully it works out for you. Or you practice it, you work on it, and you you train with people who are bigger than you. And I'm not like the epitome of physical health, you know what I mean? I'm I'm a, I'm a detective for God's sake, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, and obviously I say that in jest. But I can do more, and I, I I I personally know I should be doing more, and I can do more, and people should always strive to do more because that's gonna that's gonna carry you, it's gonna make you healthier, it's gonna make you safer, um, and, and don't don't let yourself get relaxed. You know, and like I have, you know, I comfort once you did out of the academy and you're like, oh, I'm fucking yoked. I got this. I'm strong and nobody can beat me. And, you know, yeah, you learn how to do the job and you learn how to the smart ways to do it and and how you work. But that's not always going to help you win. No, absolutely. Great point. Great point. Yep. Very good. Uh, Nick, do you happen to have any uh, any points that you want to throw in for the trainees, the newbies, the uh, the explorers out there, the perspective law enforcement? Explorers, that's good. <laughs> School safety patrol, anything we could. You know. <laughs> oh man, um, those that want to get into the job, I say they just they need to know the reality of it. It's not the stuff that you see on TV. Um, you know, some t- some parts are, but you really need to do the right along times. You need to actually go see. Do I really want to do this job? Because once you get hired, you're in the academy, get out, and then you end up on the road. You might think, oh, my God, this was not at all what I was thinking. Like, yeah. I, I can't take this. And if you can't, that's fine. Know, know yourself and, you know, be an adult and say, hey, this isn't for me. That's yep. the opportunity. Yep. And, and leave. That's fine. And by not by not addressing that and just going with it, you're going to get yourself hurt. You're going to get someone else hurt because 
it's not what you thought. You don't have that propensity for violence if it's necessary. You know what I mean? Like you really need to be honest with yourself exactly. from jump. Don't don't pull this macho card and be like, no, I got this. If you don't, yeah. it's no. there's no there's no shame in it. Um, it's actually a courageous thing to say if you realize that you bit off more than you could chew. Because if you still want to serve, there are other avenues out there to do so that is not on the road as a cop. There's still plenty of different options out there for you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't believe people want to do this job. Still something. <laughs> yeah. but even something as simple as like, you know, we talk about like fighting or having to be able to use violence and like, yeah, those are the extremes. But even as simple as like, you're going to put your hands in homeless people's pockets that have shit all over their pants. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't want the first time that you're like, am I okay with this to be when you have to do it? Because what if you don't find what he has in his pocket? And what right. if he has a gun? And what if that thing kills you? Uh, yeah. And yeah. you have to understand the realities. And that's why I think a ride along, an explore program, volunteering, whatever it is that you can do, even just getting to know your local officers, when you see them, talk with them, engage with them, hear stories about things, you're going to understand that it's not what everyone thinks it is on TV. It's sure. not as black and white as, as, as it's portrayed to be. Yep. And I, I think another thing that I want to say to people listening that are law enforcement supporters and just prospective law enforcement is, you know, some people shy away from contacting law enforcement. Like if they're, you know, walking a park or whatever, don't like we as law enforcement like that positive interaction. You know, we, we may joke about like, you know, being flagged down while we're eating lunch or something like that. But at the end of the day, we much prefer having a nice conversation with somebody interested in what we do than getting cursed out or having shit spit in our food and shit like that. So though yeah. we may jest, we actually don't mind having quality conversations, especially if it's to expand your knowledge base. Right. And that message goes out to the homeless. You guys are fun. I, I, I like you guys. You guys are oh, great. Yeah. Best, best stories of all time. They do. Oh man, you don't even know if they're real or not. You're like, this is great. I like it. <laughs> yeah, they were definitely. One time, I had I had a homeless guy in this, this town I worked in that uh, he hated everybody except for me, and so like I was the only one that could like go and deal with him. And he'd be like, oh, what's up, dude? And I'm like, hey, what's up, buddy? Uh, one time, I was I was arresting him. He was. Uh, we have a code here for being drunk in public, so we were arresting him for drunk in public, and. Uh, he had Sean Merriman, the Charger player. He had Sean Merriman's checks in his pocket. Oh, legitimately bank what? checks. And I'm like, my man, what, what? What are these? And he's like, bro, those are Sean Merriman's checks. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I can read, man. I know. I, I'm, I'm why you have them. And he was like, oh, dude, I found them in this dumpster and this and that. And so we ended up verifying that, yeah, they're not stolen. This and that, whatever. But at the same time, the dude had a pizza that somebody had left for him you know little caesar's pizza well he was passed out drunk by his camp or whatever so i say hey here's the deal dude you're going to jail uh i'll make you a deal we're cool i'm gonna bring the pizza okay okay so we get to the jail i'm like hey dude i open up the back door i'm like check it out i got like five minutes of paperwork okay turn around i'm gonna take your cuffs off here's the pizza I close the door. He sits back there eating his pizza. I roll the window down. So we're talking. Obviously, he's still in the car, content, you know, contained and everything. We're in the jail sally port. Um, don't do that in the field because then they get out and they run from you. But if you're in the sally port, yeah. everything's locked in, whatever. Um, and I'm just filling out the paperwork and this dude's munching his pizza. And he's like, man, thanks so much for letting me have the pizza and this and that. And it went cool. Like treat people like people, man, no matter who they yep. are, no matter what they've mm-hmm. done. And I think that's a big fallacy that the public has is they think that we're going to like punish people for what they've done. I don't care. Honestly, like. You could have done the worst thing in society. 
and I'm still going to level with you because it makes it easier for me. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. who you're handing them off to. Yeah. Sales staff will yes. greatly yes. appreciate that. Yes. Damn. 100%. Especially as a detective, I've learned that one big because, you know, as you know, detectives, we don't really do our own transport, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I know, I know. Orally, and I hand them off to, to, to the patrol guy, and I'm like, hey, thanks, bro. And then he's dealing with the guy who's pissed off in the backseat of the car. That's not going to look good for me. So from the jump, as trainees, treat yourself to understand you have to do your job. You have to make things safe. You have to handle business when it's time to handle business. But when it's not time to handle business, just be a person. Yeah, treat people absolutely. like because it's that's a hard thing to two way street. That's a hard thing to do is be that you know being a person and being kind and nice to someone, but having to learn to in the back of your mind have a plan where if this goes south real quick, right? Like check your environment, see his body language yep. while still smiling at him, having a nice conversation about stuff. Yep. It takes it takes a little time, I'd say, right? Because and and you guys know this, like action takes a lot quicker than reaction. Right. So you need to always be planning. You need to be playing that in your head because yeah, mm-hmm. the guy, it could be just the drunk homeless guy that you've dealt with 10 million times, but this could be the time where he's yep. going to go off yep. and he's got a blade in his pocket. He's going to stab you with it, whatever. You just yep. always have to, you never know. Absolutely. One big point that I had uh, for a second, I guess what's not related to fighting. Um, <laughs> so we've had, uh, I've noticed, Recruits come in, they get put on certain shifts that are with like a more older jaded officers and they themselves start taking that on. Yes. And they do it just to fit into the culture. Now they're complaining about everything. Maybe they're acting like they have 20 years on and, oh, the you know, department doesn't care about us, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, whoa, no, do not fall into that just to fit in. Yeah. Stay as positive as long as you can in this. Yeah. Yep. Sure. Yep. This this job will make you very cynical very quickly, but if you can stay optimistic for as long as possible, that's going to make your life, your quality of life in this profession that much better. Yeah. I'll never forget. It hit me hard. Like my first uh, year, um, an officer who after after 10 years actually just left because couldn't do it anymore. She's walking by. She's like, what are you smiling about? I go, life's good. And she says, just wait till you work here 10 years. I'm like, good God. Yeah. <laughs> You have, to, new guy. you have to find the positives. There's going to be negatives everywhere you go. And there's guys mm-hmm. who've been out of shape about things. Like you said, oh, the department doesn't care about me, this or that. Well, I mean, reality, okay? You're a number no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. You're a number. You're an employee, okay? Do you think the guy at Costco is like, well, fucking butcher manager doesn't give a shit about me. I'm not. I'm only cutting up 20 chickens today instead of 25. No one cares. <laughs> the job. Go do yeah. the job. They're not there to coddle you. They're not there to take care of you. Are they there to support you when they need to support you? Yes. And if they don't, that's another issue, another topic for another day. But understand that it's a job. And anywhere you go is going to have that. And any cop you talk to and all over the country is going to have that. How do I know? Mm-hmm. Because I talk to cops from all over the country. And that's that's how people feel. Um, but you're in charge of you. And, and like, mm-hmm. like Nick said, don't, don't let that become you because it's going to transfer to every call you go to. It's going to transfer to when you start teaching people. It's going to transfer to your partners. It's going to transfer to your home life. It's going to transfer to everything. Yes. One day you're going to get yourself in a bind that you can't unfuck because of the demeanor and the attitude. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. And and like we said in the very beginning, your reputation precedes you, and you don't want to go to a new station, a new district, a new position within the department and being like oh this is the guy that just doesn't give a shit about everything all he's going to do is bitch and complain yep. and you don't want to be that guy 
You don't hey, want to be hey. that guy. No one wants to work with that guy. No one wants to promote that guy. It's just not worth it. Uh, something one of my training officers just said, and it's amazing. I'm going to start plastering it everywhere. Cops hate two things, the way things are and change. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is, that is so true. I like that. I like that. Yeah. That is so true. That's so, good. I mean, just keep that in mind. If you're brand new, people are going to bitch about everything. You just got to find the positive. You got to find that silver lining because it's going to make your 20 to 30 year, whatever your career is going to be that much easier. If you can just do it with a smile, like Nick said. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'm tier two. I got to work till I'm 55 and I'm 35. I got to smile as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I got to go till 55 as well. Oh man, man. I just started brand new, man. I got 30 years left. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens when I get to that fifty-five range. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll be uh, well off the road by then. I do want to share real quick. I had a uh, obviously, you guys know I like to joke and I like to laugh, right? And mm-hmm. my, my trainees understood that. I hope they understood that because uh, I have a piece of advice that I gave them, and I say it jokingly, but I do mean it seriously in some stretch, and I'll explain how I mean it seriously afterwards. I would tell my trainees, and, and honestly, if I were to bring in any one of the trainees that I had and I would say, what's the piece of advice I taught you? They would say, oh, this is what you told me. All calls will handle themselves if given enough time. And that sounds for you guys, you're like, that sounds like that could get you in a spot. Let me explain, right? A burglary is not going to get any more burgled. Mm-hmm. A robbery is not going to get any more robbed, right? Can things progressively get worse? Yes, they can, but ultimately mm-hmm. it's going to culminate, right? And that's the, that's the part that's a joke, right? Obviously, it's like, yeah, eventually, you know, if somebody dies, then they're dead. They're not going to get any better, so we can get there. <laughs> right. It's true. But what I mean by that, and when I teach them, the point is, understand that there's times to take care of yourself on duty, okay? Yeah. And that means if you can give yourself 10 minutes to go to the bathroom if you need to at the station before you head out to a call, do it. If you can give yourself 10 minutes to go grab some food or, or a, a drink or something before you go to a call, do it. Because the more that you take away from what you as a person and a human need and you just go call to call to call to call to call and you never take a break, you're going to burn out during the shift. You're going to burn out during your career. You, you got to take care of yourself. You have to. Sure. And, and that's – so I say it jokingly. All calls handle themselves if given enough time. But I say it to teach them, remember, you and your partners are first. Yeah. The calls Absolutely. are first. I mean, yeah, that advice, you know – transcends even the job just because I mean think about it that old saying like yeah you can't learn to love someone so you learn to love yourself you can't take care of anyone yes. you know yeah. on the job if you can't take care of yourself you know Absolutely. perfect example I came in on day shift one day we had had a uh, homicide overnight um, a domestic violence homicide they had the guy in custody everything was calmed down and you know whatever but we were leaving the night shift units that were there so I come in and you know everybody's all hot to trot to get over there and everyone's rushing over there and rushing over there and I was kind of the senior guy on the team at the time, and I was like, well, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to go to Jack in the Box and get a bag of breakfast jacks, right? Because I knew that everyone was going to go to the call without getting anything to eat. And where were we going to be next mm-hmm. week? 10 hours. So I show up, and people are like, oh, fuck, man, we should have gotten breakfast. And I'm like, ah, breakfast jacks. So we had it all out on the thing. Everybody ate, and everybody was cool. Everybody was healthy. They were happy. You didn't get people getting the, the fucking shakes from not eating. Um, you, you have to take care of yourself and obviously yeah. you have a job to do. And if you got to get to a call, you have to get to a call. But if you can spare time for you or your partners, do it. I, I, I agree with that. Absolutely. Um, you know, 
you 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 nailed it. I mean, you can't the my saying that I've been saying ten million times is you can't pour from an empty glass. If you are just done, if you're toasted, you you know, if you're burnt yourself out by working too much overtime or whatever, what good are you going to be when your squad mate needs you? You know, you're going to be tired, mm-hmm. lethargic, whatever, hungry, um, you know, or you're you know you're on that three a.m. perimeter but you're so fucking tired or hungry or whatever, you're not paying attention, then the bad guy slips through and someone gets hurt. You know, like all these things need to be, you need to address you first. Obviously, like you said, something in priority or in um, still happening, that's yeah. a different story. Yeah. But if if you have a moment to take care of you, you need to do that. I agree completely. Yep. That's off duty as well. Like, yes, you have to have. Yep, don't make the job your life. Do not be that guy who signs up for every single overtime and every single, you know, side job that's being advertised. Like, don't make this your life. Yeah, because it will it will end you one hundred percent. You have to have hobbies. You have to have friends outside of you know policing. You you have to. You have to. Absolutely, that's huge. You have to. That should be a requirement, or you're fired. I don't know. I feel like it's just bred into the law enforcement culture uh, to work, 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 and just, you know, job first, job first. And we need to fix that um, so much. We need to put a bigger priority on time off and just relaxing and, and all that. Obviously, I think the mental health aspect is starting to become more of a priority, but there's still not enough presence of just like, hey, like I remember all my FTOs like, hey, you got a hobby out of this? And that would be it. That would be the conversation. Nothing to like facilitate a hobby or like help you unwind off duty or something. And there, sh- there should be, right? Definitely should be. Oh, they, you know, they, you know, there is that thing. You know, they call it alcohol. I guess you know that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. That's the safe. That's the safest thing, right? And that's the bad. Yeah. Advice. <laughs> 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 okay. For everyone at home, uh, Hookem just took out his yingling and, and well, sipped hold it. Hold on. I drank from my can of Yingling. I didn't. <laughs> okay, you're gonna give people the wrong idea when they're listening to the audio. That's right. That's Hookem's right. Yingling's hanging out again. God damn. Uh-huh. Goddamn rompers! It just drops right out of the bottom of the romper. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's huge or if it's just because he's like five five. I'm, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> proportions, proportions. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, definitely. Game of proportions. Absolutely. So we're going to wrap up here in just a minute, guys. Nick, did you have anything else on your list? Oh, man. Those are my two things. Just keep, okay. It's going to, you know, just the reality and your attitude. Reality and attitude. So let's flip the script real quick. What advice would you give field training officers or pr- prospective training officers to make it so these rookies and these new guys don't fuck up and how they can be the best training officers that are out there? My advice is. If you have a trainee that's fucked up, they're fucked up because you aren't doing your job. Remember that your job is not there to fail people. Your job is there to teach them and get them to pass. Some people aren't meant for the job, and that's going to inevitably happen. That's okay. But when they fail, you fail. And if you do your best and you try everything to get them to pass and they do, great. If you've tried your best and they don't, then they weren't meant to be there, and that's how it is. But you always have to try your best. See, my advice would be – Back when we were talking earlier about your reputation um, precedes you, don't use that to prejudge the person you're training. Mm-hmm. Give them a fair shake. Give them a chance. I mean, I, I've had ones where like, hey, you hear all these bad things, bad things, bad things. 
I'm like, well, I guess we'll see. Yeah. And you have to form your own opinion. Do not do that because guess what? You're being prejudiced and you're being biased, you know? Yeah. And we don't like that when people do you know, do that to us, you know? Oh, all cops are like this and blah, blah, blah. We don't like that. So don't be a hypocrite. You have them a fair shake? I agree. Definitely. Yep. On, on both your guys' points, hook them, you know, um, there's always that one guy, at least one guy in the field training unit that is the field termination officer. Yes. All he's known for is just failing people and sending yes. people back and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm because I've I've dealt with them and you know they've been zone partners of mine. And I'm like, dude, your your pass rate is like two percent. Like, what what yeah. does that say about you as a teacher? Like, that's yeah. you you can't teach. So what are you doing here? What are you you know you should have you should be applauding your just like as a detective your clearance rate. Like, look at all these guys that where they are now. That's that that should be your right. your billboard. That should be what you're proud about. Yes. And Nick, what you're talking about, uh, prejudging, and I was the victim of that. I had uh, past FTO saying that I was this arrogant guy that just talked shit and just didn't want to listen. And I get in this FTO's car, and I'm me, because I'm none of those things that, as I was described, and he goes, you know, man, they were all wrong about you. I'm like, the fuck are you talking about? He's like, they said that you were untrainable, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, if that person ever like spent more than like a day with me, they would know that that's not who I am. So you never know who's going to come in your car. They could motherfuck him up and down saying that he's arrogant mm-hmm. or timid or whatever. And if you just say like, oh, well, this guy's just going to fail anyway, mm-hmm. you you don't know. You might have well, and it can just passed be up. Conflict too. Say that one more time. It can be personality conflict just between the trainer and the trainee. And if the trainer yeah. is telling other training officers, ah, oh, this guy fucking sucks. Good luck with him. What did you do with him? Like, did you do your part? Because I'm doing my part. And that probably speaks more to the training officer than it does to the trainee. So like he said, you mm-hmm. got to take it with a grain of salt. You can't like, and if they, and, and another thing too, is when they, when they screw up the trainee, tell them, Hey, it, it, it's an, it's a new day. Yesterday you, you made some mistakes. Let's move on. Start over fresh. Give them the confidence because if you continuously break them down, yeah. When are you oh, going to yeah. build them up? And you have to. That's your job as a, as a trainer and a teacher. Yes. And I can't tell you how many times I've had uh, trainers because I was never an FTO. So let me just put that out there. I should have said that in the beginning. I was never an FTO. They, I tried to put in for it. They said no. Um, so I've had many FTOs be like, they would break you down every single shift, just tear you apart. Um, but to the trainees out there, when they say, hey, today's a new day, believe it. Do not get in this downward spiral of, Oh, I just keep fucking up. Keep fucking up. Keep fucking up. No, take every day as a brand new life. Yep. And when you get, when you go 10, eight in the morning, just go with it. As long and as they get a time, as long as you're learning, they get a time. Yep. Keep it one yep. thing at a time. Seriously, man, you can't let yourself become overwhelmed. No. And it's so easy to, but you, you just need to take it one step at a time. Guys, we are, we are going to wrap. Is there anything else you want to say to the new guys out there as they are starting their careers? Thanks for, uh, Thanks for still having the, the, the motivation to be here. Seriously. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I mean, it takes a lot of courage. Yeah. And, and, you know, especially in the times that we're in, I'm thankful that people are still willing to risk everything and put the badge on because there's not a lot of incentive to do that anymore. Um, so hats mm, off to you guys. Absolutely. Thank you guys for still wanting to do this job. I know numbers are down around the country, but there's still the, those out there that are still putting in, still wanting to do this job. And, it's, it's a calling and that's why that's yep. why we still have people putting in for it yep absolutely absolutely 
Well, Deputy Hookham, Nick, thank you so much for your time. This was absolutely amazing. Everybody listening, hopefully you took something away from it. Reach out to these guys. Uh, go ahead, plug your social medias real quick so that way people know where to bother you on said socials. Uh, Instagram, Deputy Hookham. Snapchat, Deputy Hookham. Facebook, Deputy Hookham and Deputy Bookham. Uh, you can also find my music uh, everywhere under the alias of Forensic. And you can also find my podcast, Priority Traffic with Deputy Hookham on all streaming platforms. Wicked, wicked. Well, I'm not that cool. Um, Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, Leo Combatives at Leo Combatives. Instagram, Facebook, and also follow my gym that I'm opening up later this month. Uh, it's a MMA gym that's um, focused on law enforcement training and and um, also just self defense for the community. But the main focus is uh, law enforcement. It's Paladin Combatives. Good for you. Instagram, awesome. Facebook. Very cool. Oh, one last question I have for Hookem: Have you ever had a trainee recognize you from your uh, your internet skits? I have. I have. Um, I, I found out that he, he did. Uh, he was in the academy and he got told who his training officer was going to be. And they looked up my picture in the directory and he was like, oh, shit, that's Deputy Hookham. And <laughs> then, then he unfollowed me so that I wouldn't. Know <laughs> and then he told me like two weeks in, he's like, yeah, I unfollowed you because I didn't want you to think that like, you know, and I looked, I said, motherfucker, pull out your phone right now and hit that follow button. <laughs> Give me those well, that's, numbers. That's my retirement plan. Okay, so you better you better <laughs> mash the follow button. Uh, and him and I are him and I are great friends now. So that's awesome. That's, that's awesome. awesome. All right, guys, thank you so much for your time. Everyone listening, stay tuned, and we'll wrap this up. Lately, I've been thinking about you and the time we spent on the beach. Time flew by. We felt so high. We left the problems out of reach. But we didn't really make it that far I broke down when I saw your car Leave my house for the last time You said the fault's all mine If I don't care Why do I feel the need to stare At our pictures now that you've clearly moved on If I don't care Then why is this so much to bear Spent too much time trying to hold on And now you're gone Did you know that in the years 2017 to 2018 The American obesity rate was over 42% Did you further know that police officers are 25% more likely than the average American to die from obesity-related illnesses. These are diseases like diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and high blood pressure. So what do we do? Do we continue to stay victims to shift work and terrible nutrition options while going call to call? Or do we do something about it? Well, I decided to do something about it, and that's why I started working with Nick Wall Nutrition. Nick is one of less than 100 professional nutritionists in the entire United Kingdom and has worked with many professional athletes from soccer, rugby, cricket, and even Team Great Britain. And all of his plans are backed by pure scientific evidence. Eating the foods you love and losing weight doing it. No fad diets, no pills, no powders, and no god-awful detox teas. Nick is the real deal and was named Nutrition Specialist of the Year for the year 2019 to 2020. Check him out on Instagram at NickWallNutrition or NickWallNutrition.com and join Nick's team and change your life. Those two really need no after-roll credit. They are just great guys, and aside from being entertaining very knowledgeable 
And that is, you know, that just speaks tremendously to kind of what I was saying before the interview. You know, we've got all these resources and I'm so lucky to have all these people be willing to sit down and talk to me about all the different aspects of either law enforcement or life in general or their lives in general. And I really hope you guys get something out of this. Um, again, you know, this episode was kind of geared towards the new guys to the perspective, uh, law enforcement. Again, kudos to you for still having the balls to want to sign up. Still being excited to sign up. I've got people in my DMs so excited that they're starting FTO, so excited that they're starting the Academy, so excited that they've got that acceptance letter. And I remember being that guy. And it's great that amidst all the craziness, it still exists in the hearts of all these people. And it's like they said, it's because it's a calling. It is not just a job. And uh, it's great. You know, you would not feel fulfilled doing other things. So, Absolutely amazing. Thank you so much, Nick and Hook'em, for their time. And everybody, you know, I kept kind of putting out there that if you guys wanted to share any FTO stories, you're more than welcome to. No one really got to me on that. So I'm just going to put it out there. If anyone would like to share their FTO stories or, you know, a kind of a silly story that they want me to share in a future episode, you are more than welcome to give a call to the podcast it doesn't go to my direct phone. It goes into basically an email and I will download and record it for the public to listen to. So if you feel comfortable doing it, get after it. Go ahead and do it. The number is 352-610-1692. 352-610-1692. I love interacting with you guys. I love kind of doing the, the fun little post wrap up with you guys talking. So uh, definitely... Take advantage of it, man. I love, I love it. Um, so next week we're we're kind of changing up the schedule a little bit. It was supposed to be uh, Art Hutchin, and we're going to talk about crime crime prevention through environmental design. But I decided to switch things up. I had a few other guests that I wanted to talk to first. This this one coming up next week is kind of time sensitive. I'm going to be talking to Christina Degas. She is the wife and supporter of Matthew Degas, a La Mesa police department, uh, police officer, former police officer at this point, going through an entire mountain of shit. It is it is crazy, and uh, you know I'm excited to share the story, and I will be even more excited to share the success story once he beats all this bullshit. Um, so go check out Clear Officer Degas, D A G E S, Clear Officer Degas on. Instagram, I share them all the time, and Christina will be on next week, and we're actually going to be talking about the stuff that law enforcement and law enforcement families fear, and that is losing your livelihood over nonsense, over being political scapegoats in this year, uh, this American environment that we're currently dealing with in a post-George Floyd world. So definitely check that out. It's going to be a very interesting um juxtaposition from this week's episode talking about like you know getting excited and hitting training hard and blah 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 to next week's episode show talking about all these potentially terrible things and then the week after we're gonna have bc sanders and dave from the hey my man podcast we're gonna be talking about punk rock and law enforcement two things that shouldn't go together just by how they exist in nature. But oddly enough, they do exist in this crazy world that we live in. So lots of fun stuff to get to. And uh, I can't wait to share these conversations with you guys. As always, speaking of punk rock and law enforcement, 
Let's talk about the music for today's episode. The first band that came on was Seconds to Say, and Seconds to Say actually has a law enforcement officer in the band, and awesome guy. Let me just tell you a little story that years ago, I think I've talked about this enough, I was in a band in the New Jersey, Northeast Pennsylvania area, and we played with a band called Kelsey and the Chaos, and Kelsey and the Chaos was a pop-punk band, uh, female-led, kind of like a Paramore type thing, you know, that's when Paramore and Hey Monday, they were super big, and yeah, so we played with them a lot, we played with um, the band the band Patent Pending, who wrapped up last week's episode, we played with Pull the Pin, Set Phasers to Stun, formerly known as Geronimo, and I'm just name-dropping bands that no one even knows what I'm talking about, but that's okay, um, so anyway, I had posted, I believe it was Pull the Pin in one of my stories a couple months ago, and Brian messaged me and goes, dude, how do you know this band, and I told him, and it was... It, Come to find out he was the guitarist in Kelsey and the Chaos, and now he's playing in Seconds to Say. And I just thought it was cool that he's still doing the, the rock and roll thing. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. I obviously still have a love for the music. And yeah, and he's, and he's a New Jersey copper. So it's crazy. It's awesome. Love it. So we had that. And then following that, we had Lately by Goalkeeper. Not an LEO band, but another great pop-punk band from New Jersey that people probably haven't heard of, so I hope you enjoyed that. And we're going to wrap it up with what my band became, which is Keep Flying, and their newest song called Five Year Mess. Awesome guys. I mean, Henry Henry is one of my best friends in the whole world, and I'm, gonna, I'm working on getting him on the show. I've got another friend of mine, Matt. He is uh, he's a cop in Pennsylvania. And, you know, just giving you guys an insight as to 10-8 behind the mic, you know, because even what I, you know, what I post on, on social media and everything, not really me. I'm kind of placating to a character, to a persona. For the most part, I kind of um, exaggerate sometimes. So I think it'd be cool to just kind of chit-chat with, with some of my lifelong friends. So, but anyway, that's the music situation. That is today's episode today, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Next week, Christina Degas talking about clearing Officer Degas from all of his uh, perceived wrongdoings, but really he was just a victim of wrong place, wrong time. Can't wait to share that with you guys. If you like what I'm doing, guys, rate, review, subscribe. If you have Apple Podcasts, if you don't have Apple Podcasts, it doesn't matter. You can still rate and review the content on there. Um, vote, Rank me five stars if you believe so and leave a review. The more reviews out there, the higher my rating goes and then more people will see my show and just share it. That's really all I ask is for you guys to just go share it. If you got buddies that are bored on night shift because they're afraid to do their job instead of sitting and watching Netflix because that's dangerous. That is dangerous, folks. Um, don't do not do that because if you can't pay attention to what's around you, you're going to get hurt and we don't want that at all. So instead of doing that, listen to the 10-8 podcast. It is good for you. And um, that's really what I have to talk about today, guys. Thank you so much. The store will be up soon. Still getting settled here in Southwest Florida, but we will get that open and get new merchandise out for you guys. I got some ideas. We got a new promotion coming up with Canuck Cups in Canada. That's going to be rolling out shortly, hopefully uh, this weekend or the beginning of next week. Thank you guys so much for joining me. We'll talk to you next week. Take care of each other. Stay safe. 10-8 out. And then defeat the odds that you think are impossible It's a shame that we couldn't stay friends Conspiracy
fantasies about all my loose ends One step forward, two steps back It can't work this time around But now I'm making up for time that's lost Wonder what stability might cause Cause I don't know It's a shame that we couldn't stay friends Conspiracies about all my loose ends One step forward, two steps back It can't work this time around Yes, we do the darkest thing from the skies And I'm so wrong and now I need to Shame that we couldn't stay friends Conspiracies about all my loose ends One step forward, two steps back It can't work 